Amen, amen. Good morning, Grace Church. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Um, we're going to be reading verses 10 through 18 today. Um, you know, a few things pique the interest of, of God's people. I've heard Dr. Allen say this, you want to draw a crowd, you know, have a, have a, have a series on Revelation or, or, or the end times. And, and I'm hoping that uh, after that, something else that kind of piques the interest of God's people is when you kind of bring up the sub- subject of angels and demons, or maybe fallen angels. Um, it's something that I think the church in America, we don't really know a whole lot about. We don't really talk about it much. Um, and we were at a, a passage this morning in the New Testament that I think addresses spiritual warfare more than any other really passage in, 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 in arguably in the Bible. Um, and I, it's no accident that I think Paul puts this right here uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 6 to close this, this book. Uh, if you remember in chapter 4, he's talking about the unity of the church and the Christian life. And then and in chapter 5, he talks about marriage. And in chapter 6, he talks about parenting and the family and the home and what it looks like to, to live out your faith there. And then he brings it at the close of the, of the book, talking about spiritual warfare. And what I think he just did was show us the primary targets of the enemy. That he is targeting churches. He's creating division and church splits. He's targeting marriages, creating division and splits. He's, he's, he's targeting your, your, your children. Uh, that is what uh, his, one of his primary strategies I think Paul lays out for us. Uh, and so it's hard to pick a, a sermon title that will grab people's attention better than Dr. Allen's last week. But this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of standing face-to-face with forces of darkness. Read with me, starting in verse 10. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. I think the first thing we can extract from this, this, the, these, these few verses this morning is to be able to stand face-to-face with the forces of darkness. It's found in verse 18. We need to be aware that they are scheming to destroy us. Look at, look at that verb in verse 18. Paul uses, be alert, be aware. Be aware, Grace Church, this morning. If you can uh, remember one thing from the sermon, I hope we will remember that 
we are living in a war zone. Now, this is not peacetime. And, and if you imagine yourself, if you're in, uh, if you're in, a, uh, you, uh, you're in, a, in a war, you're in a battle, and you are in charge of the night watch, and the enemy attacks at night, and you have fallen asleep, how is that going to go for, for you? It's not going to go well. You're caught off guard. You've fallen asleep at the wheel. And, and I think that's what's happened with the church in America. We have, have a tendency to forget in our comfort, in our busyness, and the things of this world that we seem to be chasing after, that we are at war. And uh, I was talking to Dane Caldwell about this. You know, uh, Dane encounters spiritual warfare at a whole other type of level in the, in the, in the jungles. Of the, uh, when you're going to get the gospel to people who have never heard it, they just show up in ways that we're not used to. Uh, Dane was telling me the story. It kind of it kind of gives me like chills on the back. It makes the hair on my neck stand up. He told me a story of one village that they encountered him and his team to get the gospel to people who have never heard the gospel. And there's this witch doctor in there. And this witch doctor begins. He knows what they're doing. This witch doctor begins to sing. And what he's doing is he's he's worshiping his demon god. And 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 stirring up evil spirits that ended up manifesting themselves in a bunch of snakes. All right? Now, Dave's not scared of much, y'all. He's, he's, after a couple of days, after being down there for years and never seeing a rattlesnake and seeing about 10 rattlesnakes, he realized something's not right. I mean, there's just snakes that are jumping out of the bushes at him. And he just, he just got his guy. His All right, we're gonna, we'll come back later. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go uh, have a powwow here and get on our knees and pray before we come back to this place. This is a dark place. And you asked you ask Dane Caldwell if I'm lying. I asked Dane, I, why, why is spiritual warfare like that on the front lines? But in America, we, we don't really even notice it. And he said, John, why would Satan want the church in the U.S. to know that he's at war with them when he has sung them a lullaby and they're asleep? You know what my prayer has been for this sermon? That it would be like an alarm clock for God's people to wake up. That the enemy has already declared war on you and your family and this church and those kids back there. This isn't peacetime. And look, look at me with, uh, verses 11 and 12. I want you to underline a couple words or phrases here with me, starting in verse 11. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that, will you underline that? You will be able to stand firm against the schemes. Underline schemes. And then in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Underline that word struggle. So, the, so, so that, that's, you guys are smart. You, you've been under Dr. Allen's preaching. You understand, what is that? The purpose clause. Meaning if we don't follow this directive here, we have no chance. Okay? The schemes. You know what made my heart sink when I read that word? That it doesn't say scheme singular. That it's plural. That he's going to be keeping, he's going to keep coming after you. It's multiple schemes. And that word schemes, it means, 
It means strategy. It means plans, that he's got methods, that he's actually scheming to destroy you, to put a trap in you, in your, in your path. He, he's, he's actually, the, these forces of darkness are actually making plans for you. Not good plans. Not good plans to pro- prosper you, to give you hope in the future, to destroy you. And, and that word wrestle, or maybe your, your, uh, your translation says for our struggle, that, that's the only word, or that's the only time that that word is used in the New Testament. Paul has actually found a word and used it, to, 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 I think, to, so we would hone in on this. What is it called when you, you have a, a word is only used one time in the Bible? You remember that? The hypox. Who said it? Thank you, Colin Dollar. Dr. Allen, I can hear Dr. Allen talking to me and saying... When you see a hypox, that the nutrition is found in the nuance. Pay attention. The Lord is saying something to us. That word struggle, Paul is, uh, this is what scholars think Paul is referring to, that it's in the first century when two gladiators went to the arena and they would fight to the death. All right? Here's the thing about, here's, here's the rule about gladiators. There are no rules. And, and it would be mercy... This would be mercy for the gladiator or the victor not to kill you, but to just gouge your eyes out. This, this, this is serious, y'all. This is serious. This war is serious. The enemy is not firing laser-guided missiles from afar. The word, when he uses wrestle, that means it's right in your face, up close, toe-to-toe. He's, he's, Peter puts it this way. He's, Satan's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's coming in close. Lions don't kill you from afar. So maybe you, you came to church this morning. You and your, your, your spouse have been in a little bit of an argument. Can I tell you, she's not your enemy. He's not your enemy. We can see what's happening in our country, but can I tell you, socialists are not your enemy. ISIS is not your enemy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, is what Paul says, but against... I can't... There's so many enemies that he lists, I can't even say it with one breath. Rulers, principalities, powers, forces of darkness in the, in the heavenly places... They know our weaknesses better than we do. They know that sin pattern in your life that you go to that will cause you to self-destruct. They know what you cope with when all hell breaks loose in your life. They they know that traumatic thing that happened to you that you haven't been healed from. They know what you worship. They know the idols in your life. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying they're making schemes and going to use that to destroy you. They have plans to make you a spiritual captive, like a, like a POW, where you're enslaved by addiction, but you're enslaved by lust, when you're enslaved by greed, when you're enslaved by temptation, by depression. 
And Satan knows if he can destroy you in this generation, then he's got the upper hand on your children's children. That secret sin we're dabbling in, but we run from it today. To stand face to face with forces of darkness, we need to be alert. We need to be aware that they are scheming to destroy us. Praise church. Number next, to stand face to face with forces of darkness, we need an outside source of strength in verse 10. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. All right? Let me read you those forces that you and I are up against again this morning. Against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who thinks you can take that on by yourself? Who is strong enough to beat that? I think of the, of the Great Commission, and I'm, I'm thinking of Dane Caldwell this morning, and just the Great Commission that the Lord has given the church and, and, and to go and make disciples of, of all nations and how impossible a task that is. How can we do that with our own strength, with our own resources, with our own talents, with our own abilities? We can't. That's impossible. But I've got good news for you, Grace Churches. There is someone who is more powerful than all of those enemies I just read put together. And in the Christian life, the strength of the troops is found in their general. That's why we had Miss Haley read Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul already lays out the case that Jesus has won, that he is victorious. I mean, I'm going to read it. In the NLT, don't tell Dr. Allen. I'm going to read it in the NLT version because it's just very plain. But listen to what Paul says. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the, in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Let me paraphrase that one, that, that, that passage real quick. The same power that raised Jesus up out of the grave and seated him in glory is the same power that is available to those who are in the Lord. That's why we sing, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. So what strongholds do you have in your life? What addiction is gripping you? Is there, a, is there an, a, an obstacle that is, that is in front of you that seems insurmountable? Has God called you to do something that is impossible? That's why the, the Bible says, Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He's not asking you to do anything on your own. He's asking you to do everything he calls you to do. 
He wants you to do it because you require his strength. You require God. Uh, I can remember the exact date, really, when I began to grasp what Paul is saying here in verse 10. Um, There was a time when Grace Church, on Easter Sunday in uh, 2016, we had 12 people there on Easter Sunday. Okay? Things were not going well, to say the least. I I tell this story to our new members class. But um, Mr. Jerry knows full well that I was ready to just, let's, let's close the doors this church plant thing is just not going to work. We had, we didn't have very much money. We didn't have our own building. We didn't have a pastor. You know, we had a bad reputation. We were tired. Just burnt out. Uh, and we had a meeting to close the doors. And everybody there, mainly because of people like Miss Maravine, made us keep going. Bless you. And needless to say, you know, me and Jerry, are we're, we're tired. And um, we pushed through that summer, and it was, man, it's one of the most discouraging times of my life. And we're just kind of coming together on Sunday and worshiping the Lord, but it's just like I, we're wasting our time is what I'm thinking in my heart. That's what I'm believing. We're not going to make an impact for the kingdom. Let's just... Do you ever get to the point where you just kind of have given up on the local church and you're just ready to, I don't know, maybe go just sit somewhere and pray that your kids come to faith? I was there, if I'm honest. And we have a spiritual gift conference at our, at our church, and Miss Christina Rotello's dad came and, and did that for us. And we, we, we handed out everybody uh, a, a spiritual gift package and, and at the end of it. And Wednesday, come back, and we're going we're gonna to share what your spiritual gift is with the church. And um, we had a blackboard. We had, I think we had 27 people there, had grown a little bit. We had, we had a blackboard up front, and we're going around the room, and everybody is sh- sharing what their gift is. And, and I have every gift on the handout on the, on the chalkboard. And now when they say their gift, I put a check mark by it. When the last person reads off their gift, I put a check mark by the last one. I'll look back in the chalkboard, and every gift has a check mark by it. And I just took a step back, and that's what I said, Jerry. I said, wow. When you, when you hide God's word in your heart, has the Lord ever just bring verses to memory? You know what the verse came to my mind? Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He didn't speak to me audibly, but this is what I heard, Grace Church. John, I've already given you everything you need. You're looking into yourself. You're looking to some kind of inner strength that I'm not. You, that's not going to work. But when you turn your eyes to the Lord, you stop making excuses like Moses did when he tells him to go speak to, to, to Pharaoh and say, "I, I can't talk. I'm, I, I stutter." I can't do that, Lord. Or when he, when you, when he goes and he gets Gideon and he's going to use Gideon and, and, and Gideon says, I, I can't, Lord, I'm the weakest. All those excuses stop because you look to the Lord and not you. You don't have it, but he does. And you start thinking, what can the Lord do through us? And, and you know what? This, this, this little light switch of faith flicked on inside of me where I started to believe that God actually wanted to do something through us. 
And that made a world of difference because then it starts, it starts to spread to this other little small group that we had. And Jerry starts to believe it. You know, when, when, when a preacher doesn't believe what he, the book he's preaching from, it's going to not be very effective. And, 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 and it's still, hey, you get to the point where I don't know who's going to preach next week. I don't know how we're going to write our, I don't know how we're going to pay our bills. But I do know this. If God wants a, a, a new church plant in Bonifay, Florida, then there's going to be a new church plant in Bonifay, Florida, and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Believer, the same power that raised Jesus up out of the grave is the same power that is available to you today. God will not request you to do something for him and then not give you the resources or the ability to do it. He will give you the strength. Not only will he give you the strength to stand toe-to-toe with the, 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 the forces of darkness, he will also give you the equipment that you need. Look, look with me at verses 11 and 14. It says, put on the full armor of God. And, and, and verse 14, just another way of saying it, take up the full armor of God. So to stand face-to-face with the forces of darkness, not only do we, we need to be strong in the Lord, but we need also to, uh, we, we need to receive what the, the, the Lord has given us, which is our Savior's gear. Notice it doesn't say, put on your own armor. It says, put on the armor of the Lord. It's His armor. He's clothing you with, 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 with His equipment. He really has given you everything you need to fight this battle. Every, every spiritual blessing in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And the, and the heavenly place, he's, he's already given it to you. And so when we, we, we talk about the, the, the weapons, the equipment, they, they enable us to go toe-to-toe with, with the forces of darkness. The Apostle Paul, he's, he spent the last three years being chained to a Roman soldier. So if anyone knows what a Roman soldier is wearing, it's the Apostle Paul as he's writing this book. And so he's, he's, he's probably looking at the, the soldier that he's chained to and just reflecting in all the spiritual blessings that the Lord had given him. And he starts thinking, he has given us the truth. Not just the, he's given us his truth. Which truth is not on trial, y'all. You know what the definition of truth is? God's view of the matter. Two plus two will always be four. There will always be two genders, not 103. You can't redefine the truth because Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. He has given us his righteousness. His, not your righteousness. This is an imputed righteousness. This is a righteousness that's been given, credited. The life that Jesus lived for you in your place has been given to you to help you fight this war. He's given you his peace. My peace I give you is what he says. He's given you his faith. Meaning, you know, I don't think Jesus is up in heaven having faith right now. But he's give, faith is something that he enables in us. He's given you his salvation. 
And lastly, this is where I want to spend a little bit of time. If we had a grace group, this is where we would be spending our time this week, by the way. And you think I'm going to say the word of God last, but I'm not. He's giving you rhema. He's giving you rhema. Now, that word is a, is a Greek word, and I'm, only, I'm geeking out right here. But this is, this is really important. This is really important. Every, every, there's two words in, in the New Testament when, when you see the word used, meaning W-O-R-D. John 1, in the beginning, was the word. And, and, and Rashad is shaking his head because he knows that that's the Logos. All right? There's power in the Logos. There is power. Hey, I've heard Jim Wells uh, counsel a young man that was, was just addicted to lust, and he said, hey, when the temptation comes, just get on your knees and read God's word aloud. There is power in just the, the word. I, I remember Dr. Allen telling me this story. Again, you ready for your, your hairs on the back of your neck to stand up? Of when he was in Brazil... And they came and got him, and they said, Dr. Allen, there's this demon-possessed person over here in this, this, this village. I want you to come and, you know, do something. This is, this is his expertise. He got a degree in casting out demons from the Baptist College of Florida. Uh, this, so he goes there, and he's with Midian, right? He's with Midian, and Midian has her Bible. And is it a lady that's demon-possessed? She's, they go into her house, and she's just kind of going crazy, flipping up the furniture. She's just in a raging whatever. And she stops and turns around and looks at Dr. Allen and she says, well, Richie, never met him before. Well, Richie, we've been waiting for you. Now, if you don't think they don't know about you and your family, okay. And so, you know, Dr. Allen just goes to me, Hurry, start reading the Bible. Turn to the gospel. Start, start, where? It doesn't matter. Just start reading. So ask him if I'm lying. Midian starts reading the Bible. And that demon-possessed person just falls over on the couch. Like just, you know how Satan has lulled the church to sleep? The Logos lulls the demons to sleep. It makes them just chill. It takes their power away. Okay? But that's not the word that Paul is using here. That's still, a, I think the Logos is still a defensive word. The word that, that Paul uses here is rhema, which is Dr. Allen's favorite verse, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. That man cannot live on bread alone, but on every rhema that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. You, you know what, in Grace Group, why we say, what struck you this week at the sermon? It's because we were trying to see when the Logos became the Rhema in that sermon. Because it, it is the Rhema that brings transformation in you. It is, the, it is when the Holy Spirit gets involved with the, with, the, with the Word that's being proclaimed. And the Holy Spirit, he, he just singles you out and speaks to you directly. And, and that spoken Word, he applies it to your heart and it is exactly what you needed to hear in that moment of crisis or belief or whatever you're going through. When it's become rhema, hey, that's why you have life verses. This is my favorite verse because it's something that the Lord has spoken to you that you needed. It was what sustained you through that trial, through that dark place. That's what Paul is saying. He's giving you rhema to help you 
fight this battle. And it's the one offensive weapon that you have. It's what re-energizes you. It's what encourages you. It's what comes alive in your heart. That's why when we read this book, it doesn't, we don't just read it, it reads us. Because the Lord still speaks through it to his people. And so to stand face to face with the forces of darkness, he gives us his strength. He gives us his equipment. And there's one last thing he gives us. It's found in verse 18. The Lord has given us shameless access to his throne room. Shameless access to his throne room. In verse 18, it says, With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And in this, with this in view, be alert in all perseverance and at every request for all the saints. I love when, when Jesus is teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer in, in Luke chapter 11. You remember he tells them this interesting, funny kind of story. And, 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 and it's in the middle of the night, this man is sleeping. Imagine me going to Jerry Newman's house at 3 a.m. and banging on the door. Hey, Jerry, I know you're sleeping, but I need some bread. I need three loaves, actually. And they're not for me. They're just because I have some friends in town, and I need something for them. Now, Jerry, you like me, right? But would you get up and give me bread? He said, he said I doubt it. Now, what if I kept on banging on the door? You know what, what, what Jesus says? Because of their friendship, the man's not going to get up and give him bread. But, but because of his shameless persistence. Let me give you the vernacular today. To shut him up, I'm going to give him bread. Now, now, Jesus doesn't say that to show us that the Father is annoyed with our request. But what, what, what does it say in verse 18? Pray at all times. Meaning, it is not an inconvenience for the God Almighty who sits on his throne, who has t- torn that veil in half. What, what I think the Lord is trying to tell us is, I will give you bread when you ask for bread. Anytime, any day. But we have not because we ask not. What a privilege, what a blessing that God hears us. That with boldness we can come into the presence of the Lord shamelessly because we're clothed within the righteousness of Christ. God has given us prayer as a, a wartime walkie-talkie. You could look at it like that. To call into the throne room of God and say, God... The enemy is surrounding my home. The enemy is surrounding our church. They're coming after my kids. I need you to send the Calvary. That's what prayer does. And so I want to ask you a question, Grace Church. Are you persistently praying for all the saints? I want you to think of these flags behind me. They're in some dark 
places. Dane, Cheryl, Jim, Cheney, Cher. These kids back here, let's not wait for all hell to break loose before we bang on the door. Let's be praying at all times for the Lord's protection, for the Lord to, to give us strength. You see, because one fail-proof way you can know you are being strong in the Lord right now and in the strength of his might, I can ask you one question. It'll answer it for you. I don't have to tell you. How's your prayer life? That'll tell you who you are relying on. Prayer is the power behind the armor. It's how you put your armor on. It's how you receive the the source of strength by communing with the Lord and begging Him for bread. Maybe you don't know how to put on your armor. You know what I used to pray? I don't even know how to put on my armor, Lord. Will you put on your armor on me? Because I don't even know what to be praying for at times, if I'm honest. If we abandon prayer, it's to fight the battle with our own resources at best or to lose interest in the war at, at worst. He has given us access to his throne room. And then lastly, to stand face to face with the forces of darkness. Battle-ready believers only need to remain steadfast. Look at verses 11 and, and, and 13 and 14. You can kind of underline it in your Bible. It says, count how many times you see the word stand in your, in your, in your, in your, in your copy of God's word. It's in verse 11, stand firm. In verse 13, you have resist, which is another way of saying withstand or, to, or stand against. In verse 13 again, to stand firm. In verse, verse 14, stand firm, therefore. We get the point? God is not expecting you to kill Satan or defeat Satan on your own. That's his job. That's what he's already done. What he wants you to do is be in a defensive posture and to stand firm. All right? Yeah, we're gonna, I don't want to steal Dr. Allen's thunder because we're going to be in the, talking about Jericho pretty soon. But you remember the directions that God gives his people to go conquer Jericho? All right? See if this really... Who, who, who conquered Jericho? Was it God? Or was it God's people? All right. God tells them, all right, every, once a day for six days, walk around the city. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. And I want you to have some, some, some priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and they're going to have some trumpets. And after you walk around on the seventh time, blow your trumpet really loud. And then after they, they blow their trumpets, all the people, you shout. And the walls are going to come tumbling down. God is just involving us in this war. He's not expecting you to come home with a victory. 
Jesus has already done that. All he's wanting you to do is to stand your ground. That word, it comes from in Ephesians chapter 4. Remember that verse where it says, don't go to bed angry and give the devil an opportunity or a place. Don't give him an inch of your heart. Don't give him an acre to build around here. Don't give him a corner in your, in, your, in your house. Don't give him a foothold. Stand your ground. Meaning, meaning if he is coming after your family, God's people, they just stand there. Clothed in the Lord's armor. And he can do his worst. May hurt you a little bit. But you're in a defensive posture, and the best, the best option is to stand your ground because your back does not have armor on it. So the million-dollar question is, how do we stand firm? What does that look like? I'm glad you asked. When, uh, in verse 13, when Paul uses the word uh, resist, that's just another way of saying stand against. And it reminds me, the same word is used in James chapter 4, verse 7, where it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So how do we resist the devil? Anybody remember what the, the devil means, that word? The adversary's close, the accuser. The accuser. Revelation 12.10 says that day and night, his primary hobby is to accuse the people of God. This is what he does. Maybe, maybe this has happened to you. It's happened to me. Satan comes, comes to you, or one of his peons. Satan's not omnipresent, by the way, so it's probably one of his peons. They come, they, they come to you, and they have this little trinket, this little shiny thing, like you would use to catch a fish. Let me see. Try it. You'll like it. Totally worth it. And you try it. And then he comes back to you. You know what he says? I saw that, Jamie. I can't believe you did that. You call yourself a child of God? God's people don't sin like that. What is God even going to do with you now? You're totally used up, broken. God can't use you. Putting on the armor of God. You know, let me tell this story real quick before I get there. You all remember about seven months ago when in the National Gallery in London these two activists broke in with a can of tomato soup. And they went to Van Gogh's painting that's worth $83 million. And they dumped that can of tomato soup all over it. And then glued themselves to the wall. God help me. And you think this, this, this painting is, 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 is just ruined? And they're trying to raise awareness to climate change. And you think this, this, this $83 million, you know, Van Gogh is no longer around. He painted that 140 years ago. 
irreplaceable. And the, the National uh, the Gallery, they, they, they put out this statement later in the day, and they said there is minor damage to the frame, but the painting is unharmed. Because they, what they did is they, they put this thin piece of glass over the painting that was the human eye couldn't even see. That was protecting the painting. And so that tomato soup never, not one drop, got to it. Do you know that's what the breastplate of righteousness does? When you put your armor on, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It takes away his, his ability to accuse you. And so it starts with the, the belt of truth. And you put the belt of truth around your waist, and the belt of truth is reminding yourself, isn't it a gift that you know what is true so that you cannot believe his lies? If you don't know the truth, if you don't get in, in here to know the truth, then guess what? You will be deceived. You will fall into those schemes. But when you know the truth, you can see through the little whisper, the lies, the half-truths. And so the belt of truth, and, and by the way, the, the truth that you know is the truth that will set you free. And so you, 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 he, he whispers something to you, and you know it's not true. And so you, you put on the, the helmet of salvation, which is just really, it means that God has given you the assurance that you are saved, that you are his, that nothing's going to change that. So can you imagine people that actually believe that you can lose your salvation? They're fighting this battle without a helmet. How well is that going to go for their faith? The helmet of salvation guards your mind so that you can resist the lies that Satan is telling you. And you start preaching to yourself the truth. You replace the lies with the truth. It starts, it's a, it's an, it's a, starts with a, a, the battleground is in your mind. And that's where you fight this battle. You replace the lies with God's truth. And you take the, the, the shield of faith and you say, no, Satan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe this about God's word. I'm going to take my stand here and stand on the promises of God. And, and, and when he says that you're not worthy to come into his presence, no, no, Satan, God's word says that I am shamelessly allowed to come into his presence and beg for bread. So I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness because I know I'm not worthy, but he is worthy. And it's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. And so that I can boldly come to the presence of God and God will gladly receive me because I am his, his child. His, he has given me his salvation. Nothing can change that. Nothing I can do can make God love me less. Nothing I can do can make God love me more. He loves me like I'm his own son and his own daughter. This is how you fight the battle. You pick up you pick up the word of God and those times when the Lord has spoken clearly to you and you say, no, Satan. I, when I gave my life to Christ, he totally wiped my sin debt clean. There is now no condemnation for, for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, you start, just like Jesus in Matthew 4, when, G, when Satan was tempting him, what did Jesus do? He proclaimed the spoken word of God and eventually Satan fled. 
You take the word of God, those times when God has spoken to your heart, and you proclaim it. You proclaim it to Satan. You proclaim it to yourself. You proclaim it in prayer to God. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that when you start to preach a sermon to Satan like that, he doesn't even stay to hear the invitation. It says that the the ruler of the power of the air flees when you resist him. There is power in the word. You can go up to Satan and you can stand face to face with him and you can say, you can offer me anything you want, but the Lord has given me peace. I don't want what you have. The sin that you're offering me, you're tempting me, it's a lie. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't bring lasting peace. I have a peace that surpasses understanding. I have eternal life. Satan, what can you give me that beats that? He can't. And so he he flees. uh, Spurgeon said, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let a lion loose and it defends itself. That's what the word of God is. The two most beautiful views a Christian should desire. Satan's back when he flees. And God's face. Because you've been given access shamelessly to him. Believer, we are not promised the life of our dreams or even the promise of tomorrow, but we are promised that we can live a victorious life over sin and hell right now. By the power that raised Jesus up from the grave, that's the power that is working in you and through you. And so be encouraged this morning. If God didn't even spare his own son to make you his own, what will he not give you now to keep you his own? He will give you what you need. So what do we do with this text, Grace Church? My prayer is that we will be prepared, that we will be aware, that we will be alert, that there is a war going on, not just in the front lines of, of, of global missions, but right here in Bonifay, right, in, right down the street from you, right in your home. All right, that we need to be aware that the enemy has declared war. And so, Grace Church, let's be strengthened by the Lord. Let's be strong in the strength, and be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Let's, let's receive and put on the, the equipment that he has given us to fight this, this battle. And let's, if it, it involves falling to our knees physically so that we can stand firm spiritually, let's do that. Let's be people of prayer until the Lord Jesus Christ himself comes back one day and he ends this war. When he makes every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ alone is Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Lord God, we, we praise you for who you are, that you are the Lord Almighty, that who can stop you, who can thwart your your plans, and God, we, we recognize that, that there are schemes that the enemy has made against our church, our families, our missionaries, God. Lord, I, I, I pray for reinforcements, Lord. Lord, I pray for your strength, your, your, your power to uh, empower us to do what you've called us to do. The Great Commission is daunting. 
And so I, I pray that we wouldn't use our resources, that we would use the resources that come from the spiritual side, Lord. And that you would, when we proclaim your word, when we pray, God, that there would be power in it to push back the darkness, Father God. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has fallen into the traps of Satan, I pray, Lord, for them. I pray, Lord, that they would see that they are being besieged and they would, they would seek you with their whole heart. They would turn away from the sin and, God, that you would show them that once again that you have the ability to set them free. Uh, God, I pray, Lord, uh, for Bonifay. God, I pray that you would push back the darkness in our, in our, in our town, in our country, in, our, in, our, in this world, God. Will you come quickly? Father God, I, I thank you that you have not left us as orphans, but you have given us what we need to fight this battle. And we praise you that you have already won, that we are not fighting for the victory, but we are fighting from the victory. And God, so we ask you for your help. We pray for our children. We pray for our marriages, God. God, would you just put a hedge of protection around them and do wondrous things through them. We ask this in your holy name we pray. Amen. Grace Church. Mr. Colin Dollar is going to be up here in the front. I'll be up here in the front. Mr. Cliff, Miss Myra. Lord is dealing with you. I want to give you this opportunity to respond to him. If you want someone to pray with you, we would love to. Is the Lord leading you to surrender your heart to him? If the Lord is leading you to join us here at Grace Church or, or to follow him in baptism, take this time now to respond to what the Lord is leading you to do.